feel as though the professionalism in the industry would get pushed up a notch, which is good for everybody. Right. right? It, that, to me, that, that's, that's good for everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Sweat the Details by Nest Realty. We started Nest with core principles that hold true today. Jonathan, Keith, and I talked about how great it is that we're all back together in Nest's new office building in Charlottesville. And we discussed the merits and challenges of single agent dual agency, how the lawsuits have changed agency, buyer and seller, in 2024, what might happen if dual agency went away at the national level, some foundational Nest history, and the history of real estate agency. We hope you enjoy this. Keith, Jonathan, how are y'all doing? Good. Very, Very good. good. Is, it, is this our first in-person, in-new office yeah. podcast? Yeah. Last one. I, it's the last, last one. was Zoom. You, uh, I was on yeah, Zoom. You and I were, were local here. There was yeah. one where you and I were local. Yeah. But first yeah, one man. all together. Yeah. Hi, Dave. Dave's our audio guy. We haven't seen Dave too much, but this is awesome. Um, well, this is fantastic. It's just nice to be back together in, in a new space, and the, this office has come along pretty awesomely. Um, I yeah. would agree. Four, four year adventure. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's been worth it. Absolutely. It's it's so interesting how my productivity has just skyrocketed. Having a place to to be settled mm-hmm. and um, j- jokingly, but not really, shut the door and have some privacy. I think I was thinking back. This is the first office that I've had that has a ceiling and a door since I was like 25. <laughs> so over 20 years. That's right. The last one didn't have the, the, the no, ceiling. No, I had a door, but no yeah. ceiling. <laughs> What's well, funny it, it is, as I've been meeting with clients in the last couple of weeks, the number of times I have referenced, I was in a meeting with other nesters and X. Well, I think that's, that's the big piece is the interactions that we've been missing out on and coming back in the office you know, we're, we're talking a ton about just nationally what the back to back to work movement looks like. And I think just knowing the people I bump into that I'm not expecting to see and the productivity of, of that interaction and that relationship, it's just, it's so valuable to have it back. Well, it's that, but it's also just, you know, I think that one of our, you know, one of our agents and actually a bunch of agents, agents have said this over the years that they are better at what they do because of the association with Nest. And it, one, heartwarming and, and humbling. And two, it's, I think it's true because, the, again, the number of times I've said, I learned this the other day because of this conversation yeah. with other agents, and it benefits the clients infinitely. Yeah. You know, being able to say, I heard that more listings are coming on this year than last just from the 15 agents we had, or we're seeing more offers, or we're seeing just having that, that touch on the market is something that, you just I, you just can't get on Zoom or with limited interactions with your tiny little group. No, and we've been we've been having more and more kind of no agenda meetings in the office with people, and we're having 15, 20 agents show up on a Wednesday morning just to hear what other people are talking about, even though nobody has a specific plan of of why we're getting together. And well, um, amazing information flow. Yeah, and and it, yeah, I just you hear more things that. You, more things serendipitously that are applicable to how you practice real estate when you're in the office in those environments. And it just, again, I think that it's the thing that I tell all of my clients is that it benefits the clients because we are better prepared to do what we need to do because of that. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's, you know, it's something that we've been missing for so long as Nest locally, but also just, you know, 
worldwide also, I, I would assume. It's just you don't have that serendipitous interaction. Right. And it's just fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, there's only so much one person can, there's only so much context one person can bring to a situation. Mm -hmm. But if you can, you know, crowdsource and, and hear the stories from everybody else that's in the trenches too, it, it definitely benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, right now we're going through such immense change between, you know, the Burnett Sitzer lawsuits with, you know, agency questions with, um, you know, all of our agreements are beginning to change. We've got within the state of Virginia, we've got all new forms coming out in February to kind of handle some of the responses to that. And I think just being able to to have the conversations before we even know exactly what those documents look like to hear what agents are feeling and seeing in the marketplace, it's just incredibly valuable. And there's only so much you can read that's applicable to what you're doing. I mean, we all read Inman. We all read real estate news. We all read different blogs and podcasts and, you know, whatever. But ha having that filtered, contextualized information, yeah, I think is, again, it's, it's irreplaceable. And I think that it's just nice to see all these conversations. And there's, frankly, from a, from a pr practitioner perspective, they can be daunting because the agency conversations that we're having now being more upfront with the dialogue that that is I mean, spurned in part by the lawsuits, but also just from a good professional practice perspective, I think is something that, you know, we're all getting more practice, you know, having these conversations. Sure. Well, and I think everybody's, yeah, I will say, you know, I have walked through this office when multiple different agents are having buyer broker conversations for the first time in an office instead of meeting at someone's listing. Um, right. and that's just a, that's a change that has been very, very rapid. Um, lots and lots of coaches have said we should be doing it all along. Um, and agents kind of have resisted that, that sense of buyer interviews, if you will, the way we've, we do listing presentations. And that is, I'll tell you, it's changing dramatically and listening to agents and listening to how they're presenting their value propositions to clients. It's it's awesome hearing the different opinions and different ways that that people are approaching it. Yeah. So, Jonathan, what do you think? Where, where do you think we are from a you know from a from the evolution of agency? You know, it, we've we've all been doing this. We can just call it you know fifteen twenty years. Um, where do you see representation of a you know agency going forward in the next three nine fifteen months? Well. I think we're seeing a, a, a big shift right now, and like what you just brought up, you know, the, although the 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 full kind of fallout, we'll say, of of some of these lawsuits hasn't quite hit yet. There's still a lot of uncertainties, but it's been a, a nice, in my opinion, wake up call for us to kind of step back and say, how do we continue to get better at representing our buyers and sellers, and how do we have conversations with people? And hey, look, I've been doing this similar conversation for 15 years. Maybe I need to take a step back and and shift that. And and like I think moving forward, you know, moving forward, you know, we should look back at how we've been thinking for the past. 15 plus years. And one of the initial conversations we had 15 plus years ago when we were putting together kind of our foundation for our belief system and our foundation for Nest, the question that we kept asking ourselves is, well, what's best for our clients? Or, and what's best for the consumer? But specifically, what's best for our clients? And we thought through a lot of different things. It's like, hey, what's best for, hey, let's, we're building a website. What's best for our clients? Let's, be very transparent about 
market data and information and let's give them neighborhood information. Let's give them the ability to search by neighborhoods. And it, what's best for our clients, going similar to what, we, what I just mentioned, is a very clear about market data, putting reports together, giving context for what's happening in the market. Uh, and the, one of the biggest decisions that we made early on, and it was, I'd say, an easy decision, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how long we talked about this, but but we did have a a conversation early about about agency and right. like what is the what's the process and what's the thought and what's the how should we represent our clients and very quickly came to a decision that we would not do single agent dual agency and going back to the future of agency and representation, I think it is just a laser focus on representing our clients and doing what's best for our clients and at that point in time you know what's best for our clients is single agency single agent dual agency great for our clients no right i i don't you know i i'm sure that there's probably some instances where somebody can make the argument that it's the right the right thing or maybe not a not a bad thing but in our opinion single agent dual agency is not not good for for clients and consumers. It's it's funny, Jonathan. I I know when we and I went back recently and read some of the very first blog posts that I wrote when we were launching. And one of the big ones that I we wrote about was was no single no you know no single agent dual agency. But honestly, God, I don't remember having a conversation where we ever really negotiate or where we really discussed whether that was a good or a bad thing because I think we just kind of all agreed from the very outset that yeah. we weren't going to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, let's take a step back, and maybe you want to just do a quick definition Difference. of yeah. single so, agent, dual agency versus designated agency. As you're answering that question, how did we get there? Um, so how do we get there? Not how did we at Nest? How did Correct. we as an industry? Because when, when how I did we as an industry get there? Was there? Just yeah. listing agents, sub agency. So I think some of some of what I'm going to say is Virginia specific, because that's all I know, right? And and I may be saying things that are are more general. Um, that don't apply in other states, and I just don't know that, and, and my apologies for it. But I think, you know, if you go back to, I think the, the funny part is like the great real estate piece is like going out when we're, we're, you know, moving out into the West and the robber baron realtor is, is out there, and I kind of picture the guy with the handlebar mustache twirling it on the railroad track type realtor. Um, those guys were selling land that they didn't even necessarily own. They didn't necessarily have the rights to sell. And there was lots and lots of criminal activity that was happening long, long ago about what people were selling, right? It was, if you believe that I've got a bridge to sell you type mentality. Right. And I think we developed into, you know, in the 1900s, we, you know, title insurance as we've, we've all learned is so important to being able to show and prove the ownership of property. And that's really where I think real estate sales became legitimate in terms of, of being able to, to represent sellers, buyers, and in, with some form of, of security involved. So what was taking place was people would sell, say, you know, Jim, you've got lots of friends. Do you know anybody who wants to buy my house? And Jim would say, sure, I'm going to charge X to sell your house. And then you would go out and find a buyer for the property and you would represent the seller and buyers would never know that property existed unless you mm -hmm. were, you know, they happened to contact you and, and Jonathan might have a completely separate list of, 
of available properties. This is the same model that we use in commercial real estate today. Right. People really protect their own listings. They protect their own buyers, their, whether it's leases and, and tenancy. They're going on, they're protecting and, and showing their, the properties they know. And um, until 1995 or 1996, and I'm, I'm blanking on it, Virginia did not recognize that agents in the residential market could represent a buyer in a transaction. So every single transaction leading up to 1995 in Virginia, every agent was representing the seller. So we created a multiple listing service that allowed us to share our listings. But what we shared was that I have a listing on 123 Main Street and the seller is willing to pay people to represent their interest. And so if you had a buyer for 123 Main Street and I had the listing, you would actually be working for the seller. You would be paid by the seller. You would be walking through with what a person who believed you were their agent, they were your client, but they weren't at all. They were, you know, they were being represented by, they were being shown the property by somebody who worked for the seller. Right. And so now we have buyer agency. And so in, in 1985, Virginia allowed buyer agency to exist. It still did not become the norm. We still had sub-agents in Virginia for a period. But um, at that time, you then got to a point where buyers could work and select an agent who would look out for their best interest. And at that moment, everything changes for the buyer. Right now, they have somebody who is saying, you should get a home inspection, and this is what it means when they say the foundation is leaking or when this roof is nearing the end of its useful life or when, you know, the, whatever the appliances are, aren't functioning the way they're designed. That was never the goal for a seller. The seller's goal was to sell the property as high a price as possible, pay as little as they can in, in repairs. And that's what both agents work towards. Now we had, now we have buyer's agents working towards, um, towards their client's best interest. And at that moment, that idea of single agent dual agency really sets up as a question of who's who's winning in this situation. And the answer is the realtor wins. Um, and neither client wins because by Virginia law, if you're a dual agent, you really can't actually offer any advice. You cannot advise on price. You can advi not advise on inspections. You cannot advise on terms of the contract. You can't advise on should you hire a, an attorney or a title company to help you close the loan. Do you need do you need an owner's title policy? You're not even allowed to advise on that. You would turn that over to the attorney and let them answer it. And I think, you know, when we look at all of the things that we do for buyer's agency, all of that has come about since 1996 in Virginia. This is a 25-year, you know, path. And now we're coming up to a point where we may well be seeing a dramatic shift and a reduction in protections for buyers. And that scares me. That really does. And I think that's where our agents are, are learning how to, how to really present what that, that value proposition is to our, our clients. That was a long answer. God, I know it was a, such a Keith <laughs> answer. <laughs> but you even, asked the question. I Jim. should have known better, but no, but I think it I should have asked you, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's one, it's very Keith answer, and two, it's very comprehensive and, and good. As you were talking, I had time to look at the things that a dual agent cannot in Virginia cannot cannot mention. So the things that in, in Virginia a dual agent cannot do, the licensee cannot advise the buyer client as to the suitability of the property, its condition, other than legal disclosures. Cannot advise either party as to what repairs to make or request. Cannot advise either party in any dispute. That, you know, it, it cannot advise anything. Correct. I mean, it goes to, to, to what a transactional broker is in, in Florida. 
is they can say, oh, here are the blanks. Here's what you need to fill out. And so what I think we're seeing is, you know, back to, you know, back to the future, we're, we're having, we've been having these for 15 years, but I think it's going to be a highlight of the value that we bring to the client is here are the things we are advising you. Here are the things that we t are telling you to do and not, well, advising you to do and not to do. So I think it's something that, again, it's, you know, I think the three of us and all of our agents are passionate about it, rep representation. We're getting better and more experienced at articulating that passion. So, I mean, the interesting question that was, you know, with these lawsuits and with where buyer's agency may be going, the question is how many buyers recognize that the end result of this may be that they've just lost all coverage. They've lost all their protections. In dual agency? In the future. Like if we, if you, if you're not interested in hiring a buyer's agent, how much are you giving up? Because you think, oh, I can do this on my own. Well, I think that, that, that the misconception is, and, and this was probably true 30 years ago, one of the biggest values that, an, that a realtor could bring to a, to a buyer was helping them to find a property. Absolutely. Right? I mean, accessing the MLS, accessing the, or the, the, the MLS, -MLS. Book, yeah. or knowing, you know, knowing what properties are out there and basically being kind of the, the guide to, to a matchmaker. Like sure. th that was it. And, and as we know, as the internet came about and, and search online became more transparent, the realtor's role shifted a little bit. Um, and we're at a point now where there is still a misconception. I think in a lot of people it's like, oh, I don't, I don't need a realtor because I can just go onto, you know, nestrealtor.com or Zillow or wherever and look and, and find homes. That is the, I think the missed opportunity of the past and the opportunity of the future from an agency perspective and getting back to these buyer consultations that our agents are having more of now is being able to sit in front of somebody and 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 say, look, this this is what I can do for you, or let me understand. What this you're, is what my experience brings to the table. Let let me understand what you're looking for. What, do you, what what's your goal that you're trying to accomplish? Let me tell you about my experience. Let me tell you about the process and what the challenges could be. And let me tell you how I'm going to work with you to guide you through this. And all of the pitfalls and scenarios that we could come into. I have navigated this or my brokerage is, has navigated this and I'm going to help you through it. And it's, um, th that's why I was saying earlier, it's great to kind of take a step back and say, gosh, you know, I, I, we really do. And I truly believe this bottom of my heart, a, a, a great buyer's agent is, is worth so much to help navigate somebody through that process to get them, to get their buyers into the right house you know, at the right price that they know as much as possible, kind of like what they're, what they're getting into everything from a the cost of a mortgage to, you know, the, the structure of the house and what issues there could be. I mean, the, that's the, there's a huge value. But I love, I love the fact that one of the, one of the items that Jim read, the first one is the suitability of the property. Right. And I think most clients think, well, I walk into a house and I either like it or I don't like it. And I know whether it's suitable. But the reality is that suitability also has to do with understanding what the HOA recommendations or restrictions are. It has to do with, you know, being able to understand proximity. And it's questions of what does traffic do? You know, there's no traffic on the road right now, but what it, what is it at 530 when you're coming home from okay, work? What on is that? The, yeah. So I had a client a couple of years ago. I need to find his spreadsheet. And he was, I saw him, they bought three years ago, two years ago, and I saw them a couple weeks ago helping them advise on what improvements to make on their home. You know, the ones, you know, for, you know, from a pure client relationship perspective, because I mean, they're really cool people. 
but he put together a, a spreadsheet that you will love because it has it is they would go into every house and they would they would match up every feature of the home and they would rate it on a scale of one to a hundred. And if it had the kitchen was suitable, it was a 67 out of a hundred. If it didn't hit that 70 threshold, it didn't, it wasn't a good home for them. And so they, we, we were walking through the house that they ultimately bought. And he, he said, well, I guess we're not pulling my spreadsheet for this house. Am I? Because we had seen enough houses that were not suitable that he knew where it was. Yeah, correct. But, we were he still scored it, didn't he? He still scored it. But we were in a house. One of the houses they did not buy was perfect in many ways. And we're sitting in there, and he pulls up his, his spreadsheet. He says, well, it looks like it only takes me 12 minutes to get from work or from home to my work. I said, great. Does that account for the two elementary schools on this road? And he looked at me. He said, huh, I need to change my algorithm. I said, you know, or you could ask me. But I think that that's where the so suitability 30-minute window in. that you knew was different than the rest of the day. Because this is what I do, and this is what our agents do, is they live and breathe this stuff, and they're able to, without an algorithm, they can say, this works for you. Or the way I tend to work is, does this work for you? And ask that question of them. Because I think that local knowledge and experience and that representation is something that you can't get yet with artificial intelligence or Zillow AI or whatever. I do like that spreadsheet, though. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's really kind of going back to single agent, dual agency. I mean, the, you know, they're in Virginia, the agency disclosure form doesn't spell out the things that I, uh, you know, an agent cannot do for them. Right. And so, you know, the, the question is kind of as we move forward, and if, if, and I'm all for it, if, if the, the, the idea of moving forward in the future of real estate agency is doing what's best for the consumer and being fully transparent, does either A, that agency disclosure form become, you know, multiple pages that spells out specifically, you know, what, what you cannot do, or B, is single agent, dual agency a thing of the past? I, 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 one, I think... I'm going to come back to the, to the past question in a second. I think that the, the disclosure about what a single, what a, what a dual agent cannot do, I think we can spin that into here are the value prop that we as agents offer to our buyers. We're going to offer you the suitability. So that's a, a side. I think that single agent dual agency can and should be a thing of the past for the most part. I think that I think it will be a thing of the past in the near future. I'd like to I think do. so. I mean, I'd like that's to a good quote. So. It will be a thing of the past in the near future. Mark it's a down. T-shirt. <laughs> We've got some empty walls here at the office. I think I'm going to put that quote on on the wall. Uh, but I, I think he, it, it's. I think that it is up to the to the agents to define that value to the to the to the to the client and the client. They can. They can make bad decisions if they so choose. Jim, do you take the the single agent dual agency? Disclosure. Do you take that into your buyer presentations and talk about it and show it to people when you're pitching a buyer? I will on Monday when I meet when I meet new clients. And it's not just buyers; it's it's listings too, right? right? I mean, that, to me, that's a yes. It's, it's always been, and I don't do listings anymore, but it was always a part of my listing presentation. Yes. Of let me tell you, I represent you. Only I will you. only represent you. Anything you tell me is is confidential. Us, and, you know, and and and. With with only one exception, I had one one 
uh, seller client that said, I don't care. Everybody else, I think, appreciated it. Did you get the listing? I got the listing, and we sold the house, but I wasn't, still wasn't a single-agent dual agent. But they just wanted the house sold, and yeah. it's like... But, but I, th- I, th- I think it, sh- it should be. You know, for, again, we started advocating against it. I, I remember the blog posts we wrote and the conversations we had. Other brokerages in town quickly said, we don't do it either, but we were vocal about it. And I think that because we, are, you know, we believe in our agents and we're passionate about representation... I think it's you know I think that I'm comfortable saying I don't like it I think it's bad I think it's it's counter to the to the consumer experience and I think it but I also on the flip side think they could be entitled to make their own bad decisions. Well, I will say I recently we recently had a a situation where a buyer and a seller had a disagreement at the closing table and it was a situation where the, you know, in Virginia now, the buyer selects the closing agent. Well, in this case, the seller had said, yeah, I wish to work with that attorney. It was a, right. it was a, a, it was not a title company. It was an attorney. And as soon as conflict arose, the attorney said, oh, I can't do anything for any of you. And literally just walked away from the whole thing and said, you're on your own. And I thought, this is, what are we paying for? Like wh- when you suddenly recognize, and you, you're going to pay that attorney the same thing, whether he's mm-hmm. walking out of the room or not. And, and suddenly we were in a position where we did not have any advisor for the legal decision Aspect. that was being made from, from the buyer and seller. And I think that is why we don't do it because we know, we know that it happens to, there are too frequently, there are conflicts between buyer and seller. Well, I think it's also, you know, from a confidence perspective, you know, our clients, you know, buyer, seller clients have the confidence that we are there to advocate on their behalf. Well, the other piece is that that they actually get an honest answer. So when, when there is a, when there is a conflict between buyer and seller, the two agents can say, yes, you are in the right or you are in the wrong. Right. And people respect the fact that they understand, okay, this is why I should not act in such a way. And we, we regularly tell our clients, you may want to do that, but that's not going to work. But if you're, if you've got a dual agency, then, those two people have no guidance on that. If I, I think if I were a consumer in a, in a single agent, dual agency experience, I would be questioning, I would be questioning every single piece yes. of advice because in that situation, no I would absolutely wonder who, whose side that person, that agent was on. Right. Cause it come, you know, we haven't used the word yet, but it just comes down to trust. Yeah. We've seen I, I, there's a couple of great definitions of trust out there, but one is the bridge between the known and the unknown, right? Right. And if you have hired somebody, a professional, to do a job, and then they tell you that there's a lot of stuff that they can't do, and you feel like you're in limbo, and you all of a sudden start to question and do well, I trust like, them? Well, if you can't tell me any of this stuff, who can I yeah. ask? Yeah. Hey, we just had this home inspection, and uh, the inspector says there's a problem with the deck. What do you think about that, and should I ask for it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't advise you. Like right. anytime you think about another situation, like if you go to a restaurant and you're asking the, the waiter or waitress, what, you, what, you like? what do you recommend on the menu tonight? I, don't, I, don't I can't know. advise you on anything. <laughs> you all of a sudden think like, what in the world is going on? Like I am out of here. Yeah. It's like, what are they not telling me? I mean, that's yeah. really the, 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 and you're like, anytime somebody says, I can't advise you on that. You think the chef is back there doing something that, I don't want to know. And right. so I'm going next door. <laughs> don't buy the soup. <laughs> would, would, so would, do you think Nest's 
again, it's it's hard because I think we have offices all over the country that you know that they, they, they all practice agency a little bit differently than we do in Virginia. You know, but I think that it's something that, from a pure agency perspective, if if single agent dual agency went away from a federal level, would Nest experience change for the consumers? Um, we we things wouldn't change for us. However, I feel as though the professionalism in the industry would get pushed up a notch, which is good for everybody. Right. right? It, that uh, to me that that's that's good for everybody. And yeah, I mean, look, it, it's a point of differentiation for us, and that's great. Right. But I would be I would be ecstatic if across the the news wires, you know, tomorrow there was a federal mandate of like, this is now illegal. Like that's great. Like that, that's a differentiation point I would be willing to, to give to up. To part with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there, there is a whole nother question of, of the way we advise clients and, you know, we've looked at regularly the percentage of transactions that firms do internally where they they double side where they represent put the buyer and the seller as a firm right and i think where we have found firms that do an incredibly high percentage of their transactions inside we have a different opinion of of the way those firms operate and we know that it's it is tough and i did have one buyer one time who was a friend of mine who was not working with us because they had a long-standing relationship with their parents and and another um with another agency and and the you know, there was a property and they had asked me about it and I said something and they said, oh yeah, we're not allowed to look at it because it's not listed by the, by our buyer agent's firm. And their, their agent wanted them to look at their own company's listings first. And I, and I thought, you know, that is such an odd, and he was totally thought that was normal. And I thought, how is that possible that you now, recognize? Now listener, you, if you, you can't see us, but Jonathan and I are looking at Keith with just querying looks in our faces of, are you kidding me? That's a thing? Yeah. How long ago was this? Eight years? Nine years? I mean, you know, 2015, probably. 2015 was eight or nine years? Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> How's that one for you? <laughs> Again, I think it's something that, you know, from, from our perspective, at least mine, I think that agency is something that we take extremely seriously. I mean, I think that one of the, one of the advantages of the 2024 market is that we are having these conversations up front, day one, first conversation with, with new clients, buyers or sellers, the value of agency and why they need or want it. Yeah. And from a buyer's perspective or in a buyer agent perspective, the thing that I think we've said in the office a couple of times is we, we are working with buyer broker agreements. We're having buyer broker conversations up front because it's important for the consumer to know and for the agent to know that there is a hiring relationship there. That it's not just a, hey, how you doing? Let's go look at a house. It's a, it's a formalized conversation, and I think it's something that, um, you know, from a listing perspective, you know, I can't put a, a listing in the MLS until I have a signed listing agreement. So, so I will say yesterday I was renewing our, our E&O policy for the year, and two of the questions that they asked in the, in the application, one of them was, what percent, you know, how many transactions did your office do? But the next question is, how many transactions did you do that were dual agency? And it's really nice just to hit zero and not even look at a document, right? I tell you For what. me to be able to just put in zero and move on. And then the other question that was, was fascinating was, does your firm require signed agency agreements 
for all of your transactions, buyers and sellers. And I thought yet another great place where we can just simply click the yes box and move on and not, not even worry about it because that's just part of who we've been for 15 years. And it has been that way for 15 years. Insurance is leading the way. Go ahead, well, John. I've actually got a quick, a quick story about this. It just, re just reminded me of that. One of the first years that I was filling out the, the renewal for, for, you know, I put zero in the dual agency box and they and, called you and they called me and they, they wanted to make sure that it wasn't a mistake. So <laughs> we've come a long way, you know, baby. It'd be interesting <laughs> to, to see like, you know, AB test it and no. fill two of the same forms out to see what, you know, because it's a risk. It's like you're saying the insurance is a, is a risk. The AB of like everything exactly the same except for zero versus 10%. Well, I'm going to take that because the insurance industry, they, they are looking at risk. I mean, that's what they yeah, do. Yeah. And that's and, why they ask the question. I mean, you look at, you know, teenage drivers, higher, higher risk rate, Fl uh, properties in a floodplain and earthquake zones, higher risk rate. You know, it, it, everything that we do is, is look through the lens of insurance. And if the insurance companies are saying that's a riskier thing for us to insure, I, it, to me, it's just, it's just a flat out no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's illegal, and I mean, we haven't even brought this up, but single agent dual agency is illegal in eight or nine states. So it forces a transactional broker where they say explicitly, "We're we're here to help you fill in the blanks." Yeah, I mean, is, what, is uh, it the next lawsuit? Was that? Is it the next Would lawsuit? You stop. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, I, it, it's it seems like this is an area that that is if if the insurance companies have recognized it for more than 15 years that this is a problem and this is a this is a differentiator of risk what is taking cuz we haven't actually had to deal with it so we don't even know like internally what you're dealing with on a daily basis when you are right. practicing single agent dual agency but you know what is what is the impact on those buyers and sellers and and I think I think there's a big question as to whether this is is something that all legislatures ought to be looking at well, it's a whole nother conversation about who's it is about who, what the motivation is for that for that suit next um, week and who's paying for it because you know. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's again I'm 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 stuck on this insurance aspect because I hadn't thought about it from that lens in a long time. Um, it just it's it's such a no brainer when the risk rate is deemed to be higher. I mean, we don't you know we don't buy a house that's got you know six floods in the last two years because it's risky. If you know Lots about it, of people. if your agent help, tells you to look at the floodplain, you know, because they are representing you, you're not going to buy that house. You know, so again, I think it's, it, for me, it's, it's a, it, it just, it just frames it as a, as a no brainer for yeah. single agent agency is just not a thing that ought to exist in a, a commonplace conversation. Yeah. Agreed. Well, let's address the, uh, let's move one of these to the next pod. Thanks for the listen. It's Enjoy the listening. Jeez, you can't even get that right. That is that that thing of the past and the near future.